When God brought Adam and Eve together, he said in Genesis chapter 2 that a husband and wife will become one flesh. And certainly sex is a part of God's beautiful design for marriage. I'm John Fuller in the studio with Aaron and Greg Smalley. They lead our marriage department here at Focus on the Family. And Aaron, let's address uh, the genders. How does sex um, affect, I guess positively, uh, a wife and a husband differently? It's so interesting, John, because years back I wrote an article on this exact thing, like what are the benefits of sex? And I was amazed at the benefits of sex. And, you know, generally sex makes you happier, less stressed, you sleep better, um, you have, it reduces pain, it boosts your immune system, it burns calories. So those are, I mean, just a few, but then the differences between men and women in the benefits of sex, for women, it creates a youthful glow. Hmm. And I'm like, gosh, you don't even have to go buy some new moisturizer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It impacts, you know, the menstrual cycle and makes the periods lighter. And for men, it lowers blood pressure, lowers the chance of prostate cancer. And so there are benefits. And I, I smile because... Only God could have put that, tied that all together. He, he made our human body on purpose, and it's all integrated. And I love that he created sex as such a gift for marriage, but then there's benefits to it. And I go, of course there is, because that's just how our God is. Yeah, he's an awesome creator who mm-hmm. has so much that he has built into our bodies, yeah. the, the mental, the physical aspects of sexuality. And uh, this is a topic that we talked about with Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta. Uh, Jim Daly spoke with them about this matter, and uh, previously they addressed how men need to make emotional connections with our wives a high priority. Now the big question for a lot of the men listening is going to be, how do we do that with sincerity? Right, you know, because it's not a pay-to-play type of exchange. And it's not a formula. Yeah, not right. a transaction. So, so yeah. you know, being able to express those things, that you got to really, it's kind of like hugging just for the sake of physical touch. You don't hug for the goal of something more. That's hard for us to accomplish, I think. And we have to condition our appetites. Gary's nodding, so jump in, man, help me, throw me a lifeline. When I talk about cherish, my, my book on marriage about cherishing, the distinction I make that's relevant here is that we need to use sex to cherish our spouse not use our spouse to cherish sex. Mm, Wives understand if we're more interested in an act or in them, is it mutually pleasurable? Do we get our, our, our greatest pleasure from seeing her pleasure? Is it the kind of sex that builds her up and affirms her beauty and her wonder, or is it sex that makes her feel used or demeaned. Uh, And if we're focused on her pleasure and her well-being, uh, then I think it's something that's serving the relationship. I I really think there are three markers of healthy sexuality that we have to point men toward. First, it's got to be mutually pleasurable. God designed both of our bodies to experience this healthy sex. One partner isn't feeling used. They're both feeling like they're pleasure matters as much as the other. The second thing, it needs to build up the relationship. It's the kind of thing where you feel closer to each other, not manipulated, not controlled, certainly not abused or even used. And third, I think as Christians, it needs to be a worshipful experience. Sex designed as God designed it is one that makes us thank him as a creator. And we're not wincing. We're like, Lord, thank you. You created us. Mm -hmm. 
this is your idea. We can celebrate it because of you. So if we both feel pleasure in our bodies, closer to each other, and more worshipful of God, those are the three markers of healthy marital sexuality. I think every husband needs to aspire. That's what I want to happen every time. Hmm. That is really good. And we're going to continue to unfold that. And I know this is going to be at least a couple of days that we're going (laughs) to go here. Uh, Deborah, let me ask you, you heard of the story, and I think it's a great illustration of a couple that found a bowl at a garage sale. And, yeah. you know, even when I read that in the book, I thought, ah, I wonder if I could just buy a bowl as a, as a reminder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But share the story and let's see if the listeners go out and find a bowl. This is really good. Yeah. A couple went out garage sailing and they found this $3 bowl. They took it home. Later on, they find out it's actually worth $2.2 million. It was this ancient Chinese artifact oh. that they, <laughs> they didn't even know. They thought it was a cereal bowl. It was in their possession. They thought it was a cereal bowl. <laughs> But isn't that so indicative of what we do with the gift of sex? Mm -hmm. We've taken away its value in this culture. You know, we cheapen it. Oh, yeah. And what we have in our possession is this unbelievable gift that we don't even realize we have because we don't always know what it is. We don't always know how to make the most of it. We don't always understand God's design for it. And so it keeps us stuck. That's a beautiful way to look at it. I love that because it does give you the precious nature of the gift God has given us. Well, Greg, let's turn a bit of a corner here. Um, Deborah and Gary explained how God designed sex to be a wonderful gift. We embrace that perspective. Someone, though, is probably thinking, I have a sexual secret that um, has ruined this. It's, it's not a gift. It's a real difficulty. I've never really even told anybody about this. What are some first steps that this person might take to, uh, to find some restoration and healing? Yeah, I would say, John, number one is understand what keeping secrets does to a marriage. And so, you know, when I think about um, one of the deepest longings, and I think that God has placed within the hearts of husbands and wives is to be fully known. When I'm keeping a secret, that's impossible. There's no way that I can fully be known by Aaron if I'm hiding something from her because there's parts of me, parts of my heart that that I can't let her know because of this secret. And so at the end of the day, then I'm not fully known. And thus, I'm robbing our marriage of, of, of how God intended it to be, and that's to be fully known. And I think it also wastes so much energy. You think of the energy required to keep a secret, to hold that back, to make sure mm-hmm. I'm covering tracks that, yeah. you know, whatever that looks like. And it's unfortunate. So I'm I'm spending all this time, effort, and energy trying to keep Aaron than from knowing something versus investing that same amount of energy into something that's building our relationship. And so I think it's good to start there. Because, again, we keep secrets because we're so afraid. There's fear there. How, what will happen if Aaron found out or what's the consequence or will she leave me? Whatever the fear is. So maybe just really making that a matter of prayer, going, God, you know, please reveal some of the lies that I've bought into about why I'm keeping this, um, this from my wife. And then I would, I would encourage you to go to a, a very, very safe and trusted friend or mentor, a pastor, a counselor. In in first of all, go through that process and go, I want to share this. Help me prepare for that mm-hmm. conversation. I think practicing that allows you to kind of work through some of the fear that may be gripping you and keeping you from being honest and fully known. And then, 
you know, go and have that conversation. Make sure that, again, the, those people in your life that are, that are fully safe, that you trust completely, who are then praying for that conversation, mm. and then have that. The goal, though, that, that I would want is to be 100% honest. Mm. The worst mm-hmm. thing that can happen is to have that sort of conversation and only give maybe Aaron a little bit of the truth, mm-hmm. partial truth, hold something back, because it's going to impact her first and foremost trust is broken. Okay, let's deal with that. And therefore, if I'm not being fully honest, mm-hmm. then then in two months down the road, she finds out even more. It, it's just, uh, it, it's really, really difficult to build trust when that happens. So I have to be willing to be completely honest, completely vulnerable, let her in on what was really going on. And that's why meeting mm-hmm. ahead of time can really help me work through some of that and understand it yeah. so I can give that that insight or some of what was going on for me. I so agree with everything you're saying, Greg. And it's recognizing that when you do reveal whatever has been going on, whatever you've been holding back, that secret, that your spouse is just hearing it for the first time, that you've known about it. And so it's allowing them... through some of Yeah, it's allowing them to just grieve and to be in shock and... You know, whatever emotion they feel, time and time again, what I've experienced sitting with couples as they've revealed these secret sins or secrets they've held back, that the person who is revealing whatever it is, that they feel so much relief. And, you know, because their heart is finally known, they, like Greg said, they're using so much energy to protect and to wall off that part of their heart. And it's true. The, the spouse who's just hearing it for the first time begins watching. Like, is that it? What else is he not telling me? She right. tell, What else is she not telling me? And so I've seen that, you know, if, if there's stuff held back, then down the road, it's going to hurt even more. So I agree. Lay it out. Practice it. Figure out what you're saying. Have a, a licensed Christian counselor speak into that. And then... Once you, you reveal, allow your spouse, walk with your spouse through whatever emotions they experience. Yeah. And John, we could even link um, here in the show notes to an article that I wrote that basically is outlining the benefits of sharing a secret because the debate is, well, maybe I should keep this secret or maybe I should share this. What do I do? And so we've got a great article. We've given this a lot of thought, so we'll have it available in the show notes. Excellent. That's free. It's in the show notes for today's episode. And uh, let me also just add this. Um, Over the years, donors have made it possible for Focus on the Family to have a team of caring Christian counselors uh, available to you. If you don't know who to talk to, if you don't have somebody in your corner, if you feel all alone in this, make the free uh, toll-free phone call. 800, the letter A in the word family. Ask to speak to a counselor. We'll set up a time for them to give you a call back for a free 20-minute consultation. They'll hear you out. They'll uh, offer some perspectives. They'll pray with you. Uh, They're terrific, and they're, uh, as I said, a phone call away. 800, the letter A in the word family. And uh, no matter where you're at in your journey as a couple with regard to uh, this matter of sexual intimacy, the book by Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta is terrific. It'd be a great resource for you, and uh, it's available here at the ministry. We'd ask you to give us a call or hit the show notes to find out more. Donate today, and we'll send the book to you. And again, that title is Married Sex, and the authors are Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta. Next time, we'll hear some wisdom from Dr. Gary Chapman and Ron Deal about speaking the love language of your spouse when you're in a blended family. 
For now, on behalf of the Smallies and the entire team, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.